Welcome to the Great Lakes Golf Podcast for the week of June 6th, 2022, just a week away from the U.S. Open alongside Hunter Pulaski. I am Peter Garber. We are live in Petoskey, presented by Reed Furniture in downtown Petoskey. Whatever your furniture need, it's Reed indeed. In this week's episode, course reviews. Hot off the press, Hunter and I played some golf in southwest Michigan. We'll tell you what we thought of Harbor Shores and American Dunes. Coming up towards the end of the show, uh, we'll get you a full preview for the RBC Canadian Open at St. George's in beautiful Toronto, one of my favorite cities in the world. Uh, Final qualifying is now finished for the U.S. Open. We have the U.S. Open field set. A guy from Michigan qualified for the U.S. Open at this for the seventh consecutive year at the same site. We'll tell you who that is. Give you our local look with plenty of stuff going on in the Michigan High School Athletic Association, local teams in action. Uh, and then, of course, we will recap uh, the events from the Memorial over the weekend. Our guy, Billy Horschel, gets it done. But first... Nothing big going on in the world of golf right now, right? Live Golf begins. Can you believe it? It's here. It's real. They're going to play actual golf on Friday. And apparently, as of this morning, we learned they will be joined by none other than Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Reed. So if you, like me, bet on Patrick Reed to win the RBC Canadian Open this week, sorry, but you're going to have to shred that ticket and look for him in the live markets instead your reactions to the developments on the live golf tour which have been many since we last recorded a show hunter uh quick clarification they have not they're not in this field they're in the portland field i don't know if that was if that was made Coming right out of the gate. They're coming. The direction. <laughs> yeah, I, I am. <laughs> I am. Um, They're going to be joined on the tour. Yes. Not yes, necessarily this week. This week. Uh, I, I am, in a weird way, I'm actually uh, quite excited. I think if anything is going to come out of this, I, I was reading about it. Um, I saw I saw drone footage. I saw some a lot of cameras. I saw 60 on-course mics. If anything could come out of this do you think possibly it forces cbs's hand a little bit that is where i really i could see i think the viewing experience i saw it's going to be on youtube it's going to be on facebook it's going to be on their website all free i know it's not on television for you your, your antennas aren't going to your little uh, ears aren't going to be able to pick it up on the satellite very disappointed about that no, but I'm, I'm actually quite happy that it's not on broadcast television because that would mean seriously <laughs> bad news for the pga tour why in what uh i know just tv deals but like this is it just I, means money yeah it just I, means money if you're on the network it means the network feels they can sell the time so then that's all of a sudden now you're now you're competing at the network level with rights fees and and things like that with the other tours so if that's really the the last remaining legitimizing factor that this tour is yet to accomplish because yeah. they've got the staff as you mentioned the cameras we talked about this we theorized about this how much money are these guys willing to pour into these broadcasts these events and apparently the answer is however much they feel like 
Because they have so much of it, and they don't care about any of this money apparently coming back to them. Because when you look at these numbers, $200 million for Phil, $125 for DJ, presumably $6 million for Michigan State recent graduate or soon-to-be graduate James Pyatt, these dollar figures are absurd. And you're going to make $120,000 for last place this week in London. They obviously don't care about the money coming back. So I find that really interesting. Uh, to your point about what, how they're going to use these cameras, the on-course mic thing is a great idea. Microphones capturing candid audio is always something that, like some of the most interesting parts of television golf broadcasts that we watch right now are the conversations between either players or players and their caddies. Well, you never hear them. Because somebody from the broadcast is always talking about the wind direction and, you know, what club they're about to hit. So, I agree with you. Those developments could be positive for just the future of broadcast golf and what that looks like. We're all sick and tired of the same old format and presentation when it comes to golf and not seeing enough shots. Um. But I don't see a lot of good here besides that. I'm a little discouraged um, that they're get that like Reed and, and Bryson. Not that I care about those two players, and I don't think that they legitimize the tour in the eyes of the other players on the PGA because they are the black sheeps of the PGA Tour. Um, but they're big names. So it's discouraging in that in that sense that these guys don't want to stand for the legacy of the PGA Tour and understand what's important to golf fans. However, I think your points are worthy that the innovations on the broadcast side sound promising and are in line with a lot of the things that we've been asking for as golf fans. Show us more shots, more players, more cameras, less fluff, less talk. Um so I don't know. We'll see what it looks like. Do you th- you're confident that they're actually going to now pull it off as well? I, yeah, and I, I this is, so I, I've kind of two more big things to say about this. Um, the first one is I, I've seen so many people say like like businessmen say something along the lines of well once they see that there's no money coming back the they'll they'll pull out. It's like I don't think they quite realize how much money they have. Like I, I don't think I don't think they'll ever. They they won't stop because they aren't seeing a return in investment. I don't think so. Like that's it's not like a normal business where you need to where like the investors want to see a return. I don't think that's the case here. I really don't. I think it is just like a it's a free for all almost. Like how much money there's dumping into this is absolutely amazing. I agree, which makes it really <laughs> difficult to predict the future. Yes, because it's like, well, how long is this going to go? What is there? I was talking to my mom about this last night. I'm just like, what is the angle here for the Saudis? Like, to in what to what degree do they feel that this league? Not not that we should get too far into the politics, but to the sport washing thing. And obviously, these athletes are having to answer these questions. And you know, you can't help but kind of stifle laughter at some of these answers, like Graham McDowell who says he's over there to grow the game or whatever, which is, you know, obvi- you know, at best, that's disingenuous. Yeah. But what is their angle here? Like, to what degree does backing a golf league that's sort of like a in between the PGA and the Champions Tour kind of a league legitimize 
your country in a globalist sense. Like these are just a bunch of basically privileged, entitled, you know, golfers, which is a country club sport still, even worldwide, playing golf for hundred for several hundreds of millions of dollars. Like I don't get it. I I guess I just don't get it from their standpoint. What are they what are they achieving by pulling this off? I don't know. That's like the million that's the million dollar question. And I'm not really sure. I'm really not. So maybe they do some maybe some like you mentioned the business people, maybe they do have some picture in their mind that's just totally outside the realm of possibility and therefore the league does go away in a couple of years. But I don't know. I, Boy, I, it's very real now, and I you'll be will you be watching it on Friday? Yes. Will you watch instead of the PGA Tour Live? Um, depending on who the feature, oh, uh, the RBC Canadian, yes, hundred percent. So that that was that was kind of okay. But where you I was just to just to challenge you on that. Yes. What you can't say that like what brings you to live over RBC? The, the first one. Okay, yeah, I gotta watch it's it. It's not the field. Or it's anything. not. No, it's not. It's just it's, the, no. the novelty of it. No. Um, I think the U.S. Open making that announcement yesterday that that like we are the U.S. Open. These guys are still going to be able to play in our events. I think if these guys can play in all four majors, I think you're going to start seeing a lot more guys jumping ship. I, I saw Brooks Kepka's name thrown around. I think these guys that were really at that point, you're playing twelve events a year, roughly. You get your four majors. You get the major. You get the tournaments that you really want on the PGA Tour, like the where Brooks says that's this is what he wants, and he plays eight events and he makes two hundred fifty million dollars in twelve in twelve weeks. And he's happy, like so. He's not playing. Well, it's perfect for somebody like Brooks. Yes, I think it's there's a lot of. Perfect for somebody of... like Bryson. It's perfect for somebody like DJ. Who <sighs> let's remind ourselves and be honest about who they are right now, as as competitors. They don't win. No. Bryson can't make a cut. He's not healthy. He ruined his body. Patrick Reed made a terrible decision to go to PXG. Apparently had a. So, you know, some significant lingering effects of a medical situation. He's much shorter and just a much weaker player than he was. Like, these guys are seeing that on the PGA Tour, my path to making money is through beating the players on that tour, which I don't think I can do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it has a lot to do with that well isn't that that's what martin one of the best answers i heard this week was martin keimer said something along the lines of i don't have i don't have full status this year on the pga tour i'm not I, i'm not gonna be able to play enough events to have any kind of status next year on the tour at this point in my career like i'm just i I'm, i can't play against the best so this is a, a nice alternative when i came on to the tour when i started playing golf money was never the motivator but it'd be hard for it'd be an inhuman for me to say that looking at this money, it's not playing, it's not playing a factor. But I, I did like where it's like he, he like one of the few of the guys that just said like, hey, I, I don't have status on the PJ Tour. I'm leaving the the DP World Tour. Like, at least he's honest about it. Yeah, more honest than some of the answers that we've got. Yes. Um, and now. Go ahead. I have one final point. That yeah, back to your point. I just want to touch on the majors thing. Yes. What I've seen from some of the things going around on Twitter, Monday Q has been tweeting about this, is the official World Golf ranking points being given out in these live golf events is infinitesimal compared to 
what you can get at a PGA Tour event. So your point about being able to play in the majors, you still need to accumulate World Golf ranking points in order to play those events. So I think there's ways for the majors to protect themselves against these players as long as everyone bands together to make sure the official World Golf ranking points don't don't start going up and up and up for live golf because right now the way that it stands you would have to be you would have to play really really well on the live golf tour to crack the top 50 in official world golf rankings if those were the only points you were accumulating and you're only playing that many events yeah. how are you getting your points like well, it's one thing to go open qualify for the US Open but that's not the I was thinking more exemptions. So, like, I was thinking of like the Patrick Reed, the Bryson DeChambeau, the Dustin Johnson, the Masters winners. 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 Um, I, I don't know how long you're exempt in the U.S. Open after you win the U.S. Open. I th- is that is that till you're like fifty? That's a good question. Really so, like those. So I, I think, think I think it's all, that's the shortest. I think it's only like five years or something. Yeah. So, so the only maybe. one that I was I would guess I would be kind of concerned about. I I can't imagine that the the Open Championship would tell these guys anything different than the U.S. Open. Just told them. I don't think. The Masters would. I'm not sure about the PGA. Just I know it's not controlled by the PGA Tour, but the PGA and the Masters are two to look at. Just in the Masters being so institutionalized, mm-hmm. and not wanting. It'd be hard for them to say like, "Hey, three past champions." Like, you're, I know it's not like the the three favorite guys in the world, but it'd be hard for. How about Phil? Do you see the images of Phil even. when he showed up? Yeah, he's not looking good. <laughs> I wasn't. He really looks sh- kind of sickly. I wasn't sure if he just shaved, he would look normal. I think he was just like one shave away from looking somewhat normal. That was an awful cross between a stash and a beard and a five <laughs> o'clock shadow, wasn't it? It was a while. It's really like, and he had like one of those leather jackets on that he loves. That he's oh, he, famous he for the Faraday interview. He loves that leather jacket. It looks so bad. Somebody tell him to stop with it. <laughs> but that it looks exactly it's like, show me the image of a player currently on the PGA Tour. Who's going to join Live Golf? Boom, Phil, Phil <laughs> yeah. Mickelson with a beard wearing a leather jacket. Is it? That is it. Right. Spot on. All right. You had one more. Point yes. Uh, I, I am getting a, a little bit tired of the golf media saying, like, they, they're saying, well, nobody's going to, nobody's going to watch this. Nobody's going to cover it. Like, it's, it's, no, and then, but then they're still talking about it. Like, I need them to either just, like, drop it or realize that it is something to talk about. Like, it is something fresh and it's got to be one or the other i, I can't I, because they keep taking this like all these guys are the, the worst the worst thing worst thing ever worst thing ever like we, we won't cover this nobody's gonna watch this but then that's all i'm hearing yeah that's, it, you are covering it by saying you're not going to cover it either the, the media continues to be the least self-aware like they don't understand the damage they're doing by trying so hard to delegitimize it i know you have to let like when you start swimming that hard, it makes people think they're complicit in something. Like they're trying to cover this. Just to, this is CYA mode. They're just protecting their own interest in the PJ Tour. It just reeks of self-interest. And like if they, if you're right, if they were just like, yeah, the Live Golf starts on Friday. Bryson and Reed are joining. Here's a quick story from so and so. And that was it. Treat it like it's the LPGA. Treat it like it's the Champions Tour. Yeah. Treat it like it's the DP World That's Tour. That's offensive to that. that. I shouldn't have said LPGA. I mean, I wish the LPGA got more coverage. No, but should, like the DP make World the PGA Tour. Tour your centerpiece. This is like the DP World Tour. Mm-hmm. It's just here are the scores. Like it's the Corn Ferry or whatever. You know, if you do that, 
you're that's the best way to say this is a real thing happening in golf that we have to cover because we're the golf channel. Yeah. But we're gonna put it in this little box over here because that's the size and that's the that's the attention we feel it deserves, rather than constantly bashing it with a you know cycling through every. <laughs> I see people on Twitter going, "Okay, like we get it. You're not like you've gone too far. You, you now it's just you guys trying to put the Live Golf Tour down because you want to protect your own interest in the PGA Tour." Yeah, I don't. I don't. I really don't like them taking it out on the players either, because like if that player didn't play, there'd be another hundred players that would step right in to to make six million dollars in a season or whatever, whatever they're going to end up making. Like the average player. Who you got going next? <clears throat> uh, I saw. How's Kokrak not left? Yet? I, I saw. Jason I saw Kokrak? that list of, and that's that. That's where I saw Brooks. I saw the. It was like Brooks. Still older guys, but like guys that could still win. I started seeing those names last night. And I, I really do think once, because of the U.S. Open announcement, them saying, like, we'll let you, if you can, if you can, <clears throat> if you qualify, you're in. And, I, and Brooks, that's why I'm just not sure how long they can. But I think that will at least get them to play for a few years. So you think Brooks is going to go? I think Brooks would go. Well, I don't know why he, he doesn't like playing in tour events. <laughs> why wouldn't he just play in the majors for a few years? make 200 million dollars in three years and then say you know what that's enough golf for me for my life i guess maybe he's uh, he may have that he's a very like, rare... i did see him as more of a like when you care about the majors and you care about this and you care about legacy you care about how you rack up against other golfers that stuff is important to you these guys are so rich already how much money do we think Brooks gets from Nike? They're so rich. Is it? I get it. It's generational money, but that money is so dirty. Yeah. Like I, I just think I don't know. Brooks strikes me as you know maybe the kind of person who would say, eh, I may not love the PGA Tour, and I know I'm not in a, playing the best golf of my life right now, but I don't know that I'm comfortable standing for this either. So I'm just gonna continue to be me and. And play the events I want to play, and I'm I'm just going to be this sort of like, you know, you're. He has an opportunity to be sort of take his own position in this and stand and and be an island unto himself, if you will, where he says I'm against the tour and I'm against live golf too. You know, because right now it's just you're either on their side or this side, and it's a little, it's overly polarizing. So maybe somebody can be a, you know, maybe Brooks can be the breath of fresh air that we need to say, yeah, you guys all stink. You know, there's something, there's stuff wrong with that. There's stuff wrong with this tour. But, you know, I'm not jumping over there for dirty money just because I don't like the tour and I haven't been playing well lately. All right. Anything else on Live Golf? Uh, no, that's, that is all I have. I'm excited to watch the RBC. So I, I'm excited to get into that. But first, your takeaways from Memorial Billy Horschel. Gosh, we're on Billy Horse. I'm literally sitting on majors tickets for Billy Horse, who, by the way, has a terrible major record. But and he comes through and just, just, I mean, he kind of blew everyone out. How yeah. often do you get to see Billy Horschel winning a blowout in a stacked field at Jack's place? It's really an interesting tournament. The way it all played out. Your takeaways from the Memorial. Uh. I'm I'm just I'm 
I know Billy's been playing some some halfway decent golf. I just was not – we were on the golf course all day Saturday, so when we looked at the scores and he was up by five or six. Yeah, he's up by he was at, at least 13, four at that 13, point. Yeah. I think the next closest was nine, nine or eight. Like that was a <laughs> bit of a shock. <laughs> incredible round of golf on Saturday, especially with how well how well I was expecting like when Cam Smith gets up to where he was at, I was kind of expecting him to maybe not cruise but not let Billy Horschel. They ended up shooting. I mean, they were like eight shots differential on Saturday. He just know. Cam just cannot get he cannot get off the tee. I know. It's just killing him. If He's he, <laughs> so good from the fairway to the hole. He was chipping in making putts, being Cam Smith, but, man, he cannot get off the tee. That's why he's so good at Augusta. Yeah, exactly. So wide there that he gets away with it, and it's just too many too many tight holes, which is why I'm not backing him this week. Like, I I get it. He could win. This is a – St. George's is, a, is an irons and putting and scrambling course. It's not a driver course. But, like, I just don't trust him to get off the tee when there's wooded areas and, and you know, kind of – Real trouble lurking. How good is Billy Horschel? Is he a top 20 player in the world? Because the official world golf rankings would certainly tell you so. And he's been hovering in those mid-20s, high teens now for the better part of a year and a half. He won the BMW PGA in Europe. Like I think he's live at St. Andrews. Shouldn't that be a good course for him? Maybe he's live at Brookline next week. He should. He probably is a top twenty player, but being biased, I feel like I could name I could name nineteen guys or twenty guys. I'd rather, like in a one on one matchup, I'd rather have over Billy Horschel. But then he just goes in these these little sprees where he hits the ball so damn well, and when he gets the putter rolling, it's just irons and putting, man. Irons and putting. If you have irons and putting. You can have a long career on the PGA Tour. Billy Horschel is not long. He's not like a chipping specialist like a Reed or a Cam Smith. The guy's just accurate with his irons, and he makes putts. And he's got how many victories now? Billy Horschel is going to make it into the World Golf Hall of Fame. One major, and he's probably in because he's getting up yes. to six, seven wins now. Uh, I was thinking this was number eight because he. <laughs> wow. I mean, he is a. <laughs> so it's funny to say he is a FedEx Cup champion, Billy Horschel. <laughs> like that. <laughs> when was that? That's gonna. That's gonna. This is gonna age us. But By I think the way, speaking like, of former FedEx Cup championship champions, I see it's official that Tiger was not playing in the U.S. Open next week. In case yes. You're uh, no, I did see that. That's probably for the best. Not a huge surprise there, I would say. No. You Any did, other takeaways from Memorial? Tough. Tough. Uh, this was his. That was his eighth win. Betting week for me. I mean, when Billy Horschel wins by five, it kind of shuts the door on the rest of your outrights. It was. Uh, I had a couple decent six to sixes and. DraftKings, I played a lot of Max Homa, who had a good week. A couple doubles on the back nine on Sunday, or he might have gotten second place. Um, so that was good. Cash to top 20, I think, on him. Siwoo is automatic at Memorial. He hit the top 20. Um, but, yeah, no real no real juice there after Riley kind of faded over the, over the weekend. Any thoughts on Cameron Young shooting 84? On Sunday, 84, 83 or eighty four. 
Uh, this is this is, is the f- he good or not good? Like what what he's the stats and everything are incredible, and then he can put up a low eighties. I know I know Cam Smith. I think shot an eighty, but like Memorial is hard when you don't get off the tee well. But. Yeah, I I almost like that's almost just a when I see an eighty four on the on the scorecard on like a non bad day. Like it didn't seem like it was overly. It was like an even par day. It was probably scoring average maybe one over. I, I just take that as being like he got to the eleventh hole. And he goes, well, screw it. Like I'm just gonna start. Like it's he's he's had such a good season that it's just like just get me to the clubhouse sort of thing. Yeah, I'm done. Whereas it's not. He just the wheels just come off, and there's not really much. He just he limped to the finish line. Yeah, he can't putt. I I still all I can think about is is the PGA Championship. He was he was worse at putting that day than Will Zalatoris. Do you have speaking of Cam Young and some of these other young American players, do you have an early like do you have a lean on the country club next week? Do you have a pick? Yeah, uh, Max Homa. I'm taking Max Homa. I, I I'm like looking at his he just well, that's what I was gonna touch on. He just had the lowest number of putts in the tour. I saw that ninety nine putts in four days. Uh two thousand and fourteen. So you're gonna ride that that hot putting gonna continue next week? Uh I think he is just trending. He's playing. He's playing some really good golf right now. I think he is. Uh, he is very well set up for major championship golf. Long and straight off the tee, that's for sure. Yes, and he played. He really did play well at Memorial. I know he had a hot putter, but you know the ball striking has been good over the long term. I already have a home ticket, so I'm glad to hear you say that. What is 99? I mean, that's just a ridiculous. Low amount of putts. I mean, it's an embarrassing of 24 and 24 24 per round. Yeah. Crazy. All right. Any more takeaways from Memorial? Nope. That's all I got. Can you take us through the local stuff? Because I know there's a lot been going on, and then we will get to the results, final qualifying of the U.S. Open. I know I mentioned at the top that we had a uh, Michigan. We will have a Michigan representative in the U.S. Open. He qualified for the seventh straight year at the same site, so I'll tell you who that is coming up. And then, of course, we'll get to the RBC Canadian Open and our course reviews. But first, Hunter, hit us with the local look. All right, so we do have uh, we don't have much for the college or any for the college rather. Just it's all high school. Uh, the UP had their state championships uh, this past week, um, and then the boys had their regional play. Um, also this past week. So we'll start with uh, Petoskey. So Petoskey finished fourth at uh, Lincoln Hills Golf Course in Lyington. They were led by uh, Max Faulkner, a sophomore who shot 79. Uh, Andrew Licata and Parker Strafe shot 84. Licata is a sophomore, Strafe's a senior. Uh, Caprazo shot, Colin uh, Caprazo shot 90, and Jackson Yonker shot 91. Uh, like I said, um, Max and Andrew are sophomores, Yonker is a junior, and Caprazo and Strife are seniors, so their season is over. Uh, they played, they played a, I think they missed it by seven shots, so they shot just a little bit above. Actually, they shot lower than their team average for the year. That's a decent performance. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> seven shots can certainly be made up in a, in a year's time, right? You would think so, especially with two, uh, three of their five guys are coming back next year. Yeah, yeah. So you would yeah. think... Should be an improved team next season. For and, sure. and from that same uh, regional, Cole Putman, who we've mentioned several times from Gaylord, advances out of the regionals as an individual. He finished uh, f- 
he finished second uh, in the event, but he was the first individual qualifier from a non-qualifying team. Another area team in that regional was Cadillac. They finished third with a score of 328, so I guess it was actually nine shots out of uh, state championship play. On to, we'll go down to Traverse City. Uh, Traverse City and Traverse City West were both playing in the Midland Curry Regional. I'm not sure if you ever played that course, Peter. Midland Curry Municipal. I have not. You have not. A lot of decent golf in that area, though. Yes. I mean, obviously, they play the LPGA at the Midland Country Club. Mm Mm-hmm. A um, couple others in there, but so uh, Traverse City Central advanced out of that regional with a score of uh, three twenty one. They finished in second place. Cam Peters was their low man for the day with a seventy five. Uh, he finished fourth place. Max Shane f- shot seventy nine, finished ninth place. Shay Harmonson shot eighty. Michael Beadle shot eighty seven, and Boston Price shot eighty eight. Traverse City West just missed out on qualifying they had uh one bright spot for the uh for the team was winslow robinson a freshman shot 81 to finish in the top 20 on to well congrats to traverse city central yes and then on to we'll move to division four i believe this is Charlevoix advanced out of regionals finished second at antrim dells uh, Stuart Osterlin from Harbor Springs uh, was an individual qualifier from a non-qualifying team. So they are both, uh, <clears throat> they are, Charlevoix and Stuart are both heading to uh, state championships. Congrats to that. Mm-hmm. Nice playing, Charlevoix. So have you played Antrim Dells? I have. It's been a long time. Freshman year of high school, I Sneaky believe. hard course. Very hard golf course, yes. And then on to... Where do we want to go from here? It's like the southern hills of northern Michigan. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we'll quickly just – we'll also touch on uh, one more regional was the regional with Traverse City, St. Francis, and Boyne City. They both qualified out of that uh, regional, and that was at – of course, I have never heard of before. Quest – the Quest Golf Course. Where's that? Houghton Lake. Houghton. No, Houghton. Just Houghton. Huh. So – uh, congratulations to Boynton City and Traverse City, St. Francis. Well, they travel a little ways to play in that, too, to get down to Houghton. So, yeah, way to go. A lot of representatives from northern Michigan in the state, MHSA state finals in boys golf. Yep, so uh, Traverse City Central will be playing at Cat Key, uh, the um, – Fair State course. Fair State course. Uh, Gaylord, Gaylord and Cole – Cole and Cadillac, rather, will be playing at the Meadows. Charlevoix or Cadillac? Um, Cadillac and Cole Putman from Gaylord, individual qualifier. We'll be playing at the Meadows. Poor guys. Uh, D3 will be playing at the Fortress. And D4. Ooh, the Fortress. Be, which I like the Fortress That's quite a good a bit. course. And then D4 will be playing at Fork, Forest Acres West. Ooh, the hard one. The harder one, yes. And then quickly, we'll just touch on, uh, I'll quickly touch on the um, D1 through 3 for boys and girls of the UP. They just had their championships this past week. So in uh, D1 boys for the UP, uh, they played a Sage run. Uh, The individual champion was uh, Brady Backer from Monotomy, and the team champion was Houghton with a score of 329. Uh, D2 boys was – That's a good score. Congratulations. It it was a good score, yeah. Uh, D2 boys was was played at Young's Golf Course. Also never heard of it. That's in Iron Mountain – or Iron County, rather. 
in case you were wondering. Uh, the individual champion was Drew Anderson from Norway with a score of 83, and Norway also took home the team championship by one over St. Agnes with a score of 353. And while since St. Agnes is so close, uh, Carson Bigger from St. Agnes finished second in individual uh, with a score of 84. Nicely done. D3 boys at Highland Golf Club was won by uh, Brady Mercer, who shot a, the lowest score of anybody in the UP that I saw, a score of 71. He's Ooh. from Powers North Central. Uh, they, nice they score. Won, they won, also won the event with a score of 350. On to the girls who played, the Division One girls played at Sweetgrass. The champion was Rachel Niskison uh, from Nagani, and Escanaba took home the championship with a score of 411, and Rachel shot a score of 82, so pretty darn good there. The D2 girls were also at Young's Golf up in Iron County. Uh, the winner... Uh, the individual was Macy Green from uh, Manistique uh, with a score of 102, and Munising took home the championship with a score of 454. And finally, in D3, girls uh, at Highland Golf Club, Zoe Atour uh, was the champion with a score of 99, and Cedarville was the team champion with a score of 420. And then finally, I have one little uh, one little side note. Okay. Uh, one of my buddies, uh, <clears throat> Burkhoff, sent me a picture of um, Jonas Blix and Doc Redman. We're both up in northern Michigan on Saturday or Sunday playing Elk Rapids Golf Club. What? The yeah. nine-holer? Yeah. Yeah. Doc Redman and Jonas Blix? Yeah. Blix won the U.S. Yeah. Open So I was going to say he, he, he was- In Ontario. Medalist of the- Oh, was it Ontario? Yeah, it's, oh. it's near Toronto, okay. I think. Yeah. Toronto's in Ontario also. Oh, is it? And who got second there? Callum Terran got second. They went low. Jonas Blake shot 10 under. That was, <laughs> we're going to get off track a little bit, but that was a 20-person qualifier. Yeah, 20, I think it was 26. <laughs> but then they had like four For guys. two spots. Three spots. Three? Yeah. They had like four guys drop out, I thought, though, so it got down to like 21 or 22. That's the place to, that's the place to go qualify. <laughs> yeah. But you got you to go low. Is Jonas Blix to play at St. George's? He's on the second to last start of a major medical. He just shot 10 under in the U.S. Open qualifier. He's playing in the U.S. Open. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like, can you really fire up Jonas Blix in your draft lineups <laughs> this week? Elk Rapids Golf Club. Yeah. I've never I'll played it. I'll be damned. I, I, I assume it's you right have. Right by my house. Have you played? Is it any good? It's like a Donald Ross, I think. It is. That's, that's why I, I learned that. Yeah. That's awesome. Is it? Have you played it? I haven't. Oh, you haven't? No, I haven't played there. Oh, okay. Well, um, yes, right across the road there. You get to the, like, if you're going south towards Travers, hit the light, just go left. It's right over there on the right side. Hmm. Elk Rapids is a, Elk Rapids is a sneaky, awesome town. People don't, people just sleep on Elk Rapids. Um, you want to, so we just keep going with the, you want to do final qualifying? Yeah. Do you have it up? I do have it up. Okay. So yesterday, Monday. Monday. Monday was the longest day in golf. One of the better days in golf. I love. I I could watch that. So it's several final qualifying sites, which one, of, which we just mentioned, obviously with Blixt, Callum, Taren getting through, and Hunter says one more. Who I'm not sure what who that was, but why don't you take us through the full list, and then of course tell us who our representative from the state of Michigan will be in this year's 
U.S. Open. Unless is Ryan Bram in the U.S. Open? He is not. He okay. was. He was in that qualifier. He uh, he missed it. Unfortunately. Okay. Uh, so we ended up having thirteen guys that made final qualifying from the state of Michigan, uh, and they were represented in it looks like five different sites across the country. Uh, we will start over uh, in California at the Olympic Club. Uh, Blaze uh, Vanevelt, who I believe was playing as an amateur uh, from Fenton. Shot 80-74, so he unfortunately missed the missed qualifying. Caleb Johnson from Muskegon shot 72-75. Um, I can't remember which one he was at. Uh, he also missed Pretty qualifying. good scores, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brett White from uh, Grand Rapids was the closest to qualifying besides uh, Ryan Brem, or rather um, Brian Stewart. He was playing at the Ansley Golf Club in Georgia. He shot 69-71. He missed the playoff by two. Oof. So uh, still really good playing. Good playing, uh, yeah. Bo Brult from Heartland. He played in the Kinsale um, qualifier. He shot 75, and then I think he, he WD'd on the back nine. You might have saw the saw where the scoring was and said that was enough. That'll happen. Yep. That'll happen. He was uh, not the only person to... How Tung Lee withdrew after uh, five holes. Yeah, I saw something. Did you <laughs> see that? That like he took like a private jet from yeah. from Germany yeah. to get there. And yeah. De- <laughs> yeah, twenty grand to play five holes at golf. Which I I saw Monday Q tweet that that's so much more than twenty grand. Okay, he's my pick for <laughs> the next guy to join Live Golf. Yeah. <laughs> that is so much more money than twenty grand. I think he's gonna beat Brooks. Too much. <laughs> uh, and then so now we're on to the uh, Springfield qualifier, which had. Uh, That's the like it's basically a PGA Tour event because they all drive yeah. over from uh, Dublin. Yep, exactly. And there was that it, course looks sweet. Did you see some of the pictures and videos? The spring at Springfield. Yeah, I did. I, did, I saw a few, but didn't nothing that really. It reminds. Stood it out. reminded me kind of of Inverness, which is in Toledo, mm-hmm. which we saw the uh, ladies play for the presidents for the uh, Solheim Cup. Mm-hmm. Really like fast. Firm greens, like old country club style. I don't know if it's if it's a Donald Ross or who did it, but it, it it's got all those cool features like that. A proper U.S. Open qualifier because it literally looked like a U.S. Open yeah. course. So from that uh, from that qualifier, obviously suits Brian Stewart's eye. Yeah, so I guess we'll we'll start there. So Brian Stewart uh, shot sixty eight, sixty five was the co medalist. Uh, advances out of Springfield for the seventh straight year. Um, pretty amazing. Is he any good at golf? He has been on the PGA Tour since Moby Dick was a minnow. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's pre- it's pretty incredible. Seven straight years. It's not like it's easy to. I mean, that is a PGA Tour event, like you like you just said. And then moving it's on, amazing. Yeah. Well, him, we are definitely firing up at the RBC Canadian <laughs> Open. Seventy one hundred dollars on a seven thousand yard golf course. So let's go. <laughs> Uh, moving on to Bradley Smithson, uh, Michigan State player, shot uh, 71-69. Kyle Gaines from Oak, from Oxford, rather, shot 72-72. Patrick Wilkes Creer, uh, Ann Arbor assistant, or Michigan assistant from Ann Arbor, shot 73-68. Tyler Kopp shot 74-72, also from Ann Arbor. Ryan Brem shot 69-71. Uh, Damn, all our guys played good. They played, yeah. Uh, they missed it by, I want to say, I will pull up the exact. That's good golf so I, from Ryan. He only missed by a couple shots. Yep, missed it by three. <sighs> so I have, or actually I guess four. Four got in. They, these guys are all 
um, must have been a parse. It's a parse 70, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Yep, so R- Ryan shot 69-71. Uh, Will Anderson also, um, he's a Michigan player, shot 70 in the first round, uh, followed up with a 77, unfortunately. Uh, Payne Gearwick from Brighton shot 78-78. And J- uh, Jamie Geisinger shot from Troy shot 76-72. Why aren't you playing in these? Because I can't putt. <laughs> Actually, that, that is that is so. That's funny. a pretty simple explanation. Yeah. We'll get to your putting when we do the course reviews. Later. And actually, we will because I, I <laughs> we played last night and I actually did what you said and I made some putts. Really? Yeah. Oh, good. I'm pulled pulled a few too though. So. Yeah. Well, that'll happen. Um. Okay. So thank you. And then we we remember the U.S. Open is next week. So we're here. That's why. Part of the reason as we transition to the RBC Canadian Open, if you're ready for that, Hunter, yeah, is you've got a really interesting field here at St. George's in Toronto this week. So first of all, the golf course, Stanley Thompson is the architect here. He did a bunch of courses in Canada. He's kind of like the godfather of Canadian golf course architecture. It's got like the Tom Bendelo, Donald Ross kind of a look to it mixed with a little bit more of like what kind of feels parkland like i think it comps pretty closely to uh detroit golf club so it's short uh just over seven thousand yards par 70 but the way we arrive at a par 70 here is is slightly different because we have five par threes and three par fives so three par fives on a par 70 means maybe I think length could potentially come into um, play a little bit more this week than you might imagine on a par 70 because there is there are two fewer par fours than a common than what these guys are used to playing on, on par 70. So it really is par five and par three scoring are as, as important as they would be on a par 72 this week. It's just the way that we arrive at a par 70 is a little different. So that makes the gambling situation a little more difficult. I don't know how much attention you can pay to the golf course here because we don't know anything about it. The last time we played here was 2010. Carl Pedersen won in something of a blowout, shot 60 in one of the rounds. Since then, Tom Doak has redone all the greens. And most of these guys who are in the field this week were not in the field in, in 2010. So there's not a lot you can draw from course history. You know, you can look at Canadian Open history if you want. A guy like Johnny Vegas, who's going to be really popular this week. He's won the Canadian Open twice. Been playing really well since the elbow surgery. Really wants to get on the President's Cup team. He's $8,700, 85 something like that and on, on DraftKings this week and in probably the 50 to 1-ish range. Uh, betting market. He's a bomber. He should be able to take advantage of the par fives, hit shorter clubs on par threes, and he's in good form. I think what you look at this week, gambling-wise, is who's motivated to play well here? For whom would a win at the RBC Canadian Open be as big of a deal as you know some of these other guys who are probably looking forward to next week? You know, like. Because we have a really, really top-heavy field here. You've got Scheffler, JT, Rory kicking off the odds. You've got all at really short numbers. 
And then you've got this group behind them of Lowry, Fitzpatrick, uh, Cam Smith, Sam Burns, Co uh, Corey Connors, and those are all kind of like the 20 to 1 and under. And then, you know, we start reaching here. Now you got Finau at 27 to 1. This is FanDuel. Hatton, 27 to 1. And then it's just a bunch of guys after that that are at numbers that we would never see him. Varner, 33 to 1. I've actually seen him lower than that. Hadwin, 33 to 1. Canadian guy. Munoz, 41 to 1. Keith Mitchell, 42. Chris Kirk, 45. Sahith Thigala, who we talked about betting at 250 to 1 last week and had a good week, is all the way down to 50 to 1 on, on FanDuel right now. So it's kind of an interesting field in that the Max Homas of the world took the week off to get ready for next week and prepare for Brookline and the country club. Yet you still have some of the top players who like to play the week before. So you've got a really top heavy field, not a lot of middle ground and then a lot of bonds and Canadian AMs and, you know, younger guys who are not playing next week, looking for their first winner on tour. And um, so it's really a, this is so different of a field than I think what we're used to. You look at the overall strength of the field is is pretty weak. However, you have five of the top 10 and 12 of the top 25 golfers in the world in this field. So what does that mean? Well, I happen to think that the winner will is a fairly good chance. The winner is going to come from the players price 30 and under. So basically Scheffler, through Hatton because they're far superior, I would say, to the rest of the field. And then down the list, I would look for guys who have that kind of upside. So, like, we talked about Sahith Thigala. We, how good do we think he is? He just competed at Memorial in a much better field. Kind of faded down the stretch a little bit, but he's a guy who says he banks on his short game. His short game is the is the strength of his game. That should play well at St. George's. Small greens, country club style. You will have to scramble. You will have to get up and down out of bunkers. Um, you know, Johnny Vegas, we mentioned, a guy who has, has winning upside. Brendan Todd, you know, a guy with, with winning upside uh, who's won on the PGA Tour before. So those are the kind of players I'm looking at. Like, who's gonna be who's in this field that maybe at some point will be a top 50 maybe player in the world who could break through here and or are there one of these guys 30 to 1 and under that I just want to pick from uh, because I think they have the you know a really good chance to win this week personally I think it's pretty hard to bet Scheffler JT or Rory there should be a great course for a for all three of them, especially Justin Thomas, uh, with the small greens and, and needing to not having to hit driver and irons being probably the most important part of the equation this week. But are you going to bet somebody at 10 to 1 or less the week before a major when you don't really, you can't say for certain that they are bringing 100% of their focus to St. George's? You know, like. Do you put stock? Do you like? Do you think these guys are here just kind of for a warm up? And they like Rory loves to play the week before a major. We just talked about this before Augusta when he was playing in Texas, and it's like, well, he's gonna miss the cut 
because does he really care about what he shoots this week or is he just out there knowing these are the kind of shots I need to have ready for next week so that's what I'm going to practice I I think it's exactly that I don't think I don't think I would in a million years take and not like that not like they couldn't win but it just it doesn't it doesn't make sense for how rare it is for people to win two weeks in a row on the PGA Tour, like to like put everything into the RBC Canadian Open when you have the U.S. Open in yeah, I think eight days. It's th- just hard to it's hard to to exasperate that much energy. So I would over take two days. Yeah, I would or take the two group, weeks rather. Scheffler, Thomas, Rory, Cam Smith, and Sam Burns, and I would put them all in a bucket and say maybe one or two of those guys gets into contention almost kind of by accident. Mm-hmm. Like they're playing so well, they go out, they're like, let's see what happens these first two days. And then, you know, they find themselves in the top in the last couple groups on Saturday and they think, well, what the hell? You know, I might as well go win now. I mean, I'm here, I'm playing. And then a, probably a couple of these guys will miss the cut because their focus won't be there. And so I think the results are going to be high variability at the very, very top. And then there's the next tier. And there's three guys for whom this win, I think, would be really significant Lowry who's been so close this year and probably feels like he's almost owed a win. Mm -hmm. Fitzpatrick, who's still seeking his first PGA Tour victory, even though he won the U.S. Amateur at this course that we're playing next week. He's also coming off a missed cut, lost eight strokes putting at Memorial. We backed him heavily. I can't get off him now. I think he should play well again this week. And then Connors has not been a Canadian, Canadian Open champion since like 1964 or something crazy. So this would obviously be a huge deal for any of the Canadians, among them Corey Connors, to be the Canadian to break through in that regard. Like I bet Mackenzie Hughes at 80-1 to because he's terrible tee to green, but he has a great short game, and he seems like exactly the kind of player who would be able to handle the pressure of trying to win the Canadian Open as a Canadian. But I think there's... Like, I like Fitzpatrick. I like Connors. I like Lowry this week. Maybe Lowry the least of those three. I definitely like Fitzpatrick the most of those three. I can't bet him at 16-1, to 1, but I'll probably bet him for a top 20. And then I, I don't think I can get in on this. Like, I would like to bet Sebastian Munoz this week. He's a guy who can make a ton of birdies, go low. I don't know that this course is perfect for him. You know, but it does kind of. It has some similarities to like a Greenbrier, where he he competed. Uh, but like forty-one to one for that's pretty short, right? Yeah, it does seem kind of short. And I I don't think there. You know, I would never take. I think when push comes to shove for for like the Corey Connors and the Mackenzie Hughes, they're not going to win. Like that's that's so much pressure to win like your your country. There's a reason country's can, open. Yeah. So I think, but I do love. So I was looking like. Um, uh, Connors is plus two hundred to top ten, even money to top twenty. I think he definitely is in contention, but it's just it, going down it, yeah. the last few holes with, <laughs> with the whole country, yeah, whole, literally a country. fifty or sixty years of of history riding on your yeah. back. I just don't. That's so hard, so hard. Uh, what do you think of Figala this week? Uh, I don't hate it. I, don't, so I, I got don't hate Figala. It I'm seeing numbers at like forty, fifty. I got it at eighty. I think that he's – this doesn't feel like a Sahith course or feel like a Munoz course because I think we think of them more as driver players. Mm-hmm. But, like, Sahith will tell you it's his short game that drives him. 
you need a short game here. And then his ball striking really popped last week. So I think that's interesting. I'm going to play like a couple bomber contrarian lineups in DraftKings because I think everything I've heard is this is a plotter's course. Keep it in play. Carl Pedersen won here. You got to be a good putter. Times have changed. This is 15 years later, 12 years later, we're coming back to a golf course. These guys are so long and straight with their drivers. Like Tony Finau, Keith Mitchell. This is a 7,000-yard golf course with five par threes and three par fives. I think we will see some really low scores this week, and don't be surprised if bombers see this course differently than guys saw this course 12 years ago. So I will play a couple of those lineups just in case we're all wrong. And because we haven't seen this golf course in 12 years, we don't actually know what's what's going to happen. On the plotter side, I do like Brennan Todd. I got 100 to 1. Brennan That's what I was – that's who I was – that is the exact name I was about to say. He played great a couple weeks ago. Yeah, he th- tied third, or solo third, rather, Colonial. Um, I mean, he's 12th in scrambling, really good off the tee, really good on the greens. If he gets all he needs is like a click week with the irons to give him a few no- more opportunities with his putter. Um, but he's a guy I really like this week, so I did, I did bet him uh, also. So... Let's talk about those courses in Southwest Michigan we played, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, we played American Dudes. Probably keep it to American. First of all, thanks to Kirk Skierhorn and the team at Westquan. That was a special experience, mm-hmm. being able to play at that course. I would say it's a sweet place, great club, beautiful facilities, and a, and a great great golf course. But what are your, t- what are your reviews of... American Dunes, the brand new Jack Nicholas, just two years old, in partnership with Folds of Honor, kind of a different golfing experience. That one in Grand Haven, and then Harbor Shores on the heel of the KitchenAid Senior PGA, getting to play with the grandstands up and the and the greens in seemingly similar condition to what the pros played last week. What were your uh, What are your thoughts on those two courses? Uh, I I have been wrestling wrestling with this since we played of, of like which one I, I liked more which one I thought it came down to a couple of things I I I liked the look of American Dunes more I thought Ben Harbor was just kind of in a or, or rather Harbor Shores was just kind of in a weird area like there was like you kind of went through some like houses even though you, you did it American Dunes too but like there were different types of like different, whether it be like some man, manufacturing areas, some houses, like it was just kind of, I didn't love the surroundings, a, a, the surroundings, the aesthetics at Harbor Shores as much as I did at American Dunes. I, however, I do, in my heart of hearts, I did feel like Harbor Shores was more playable in like a weird, in a weird way. Because I felt like at American Dunes, I played some of the best golf I've played in a long time. And I had control of my golf ball. And still, like, you just couldn't – it wasn't necessarily as much in front of you, I felt like, as Harbor Shores. The landing areas were a little bit bigger. The green complexes at Harbor Shores were really kind of the kicker. But I didn't feel like there was – there was only, like, three or four holes where it was really bad. Like really, it was like, what are we, what are we doing here? But I had a similar takeaway from Harbor Shores. There's a, there's a couple things that I would say. First, if you want to go play there, 
I would say you should go play there. It was 145 bucks for us to play there at 2:45 in the afternoon on a Saturday. To me, that's a pretty good deal to play a major, you know, like championship course. However, let me just quickly dispel a couple of misconceptions you may have about it that I had. It's not on the water. No, Harbor Shores. You don't it's see Lake, Harbor Shore. Yeah, you <laughs> see one. Lake Michigan on the seventh green, and it's a beautiful view, and it's a really different hole with a severely uphill second shot and then you get up on this higher level and you're kind of like next to the beach and there's a pretty view and now this is not arcadia bluffs this is not playing golf on lake michigan this is not even bay harbor or even though you're not really on the water for most of the time you feel like you're on the water it is playing through a residential neighborhood near lake michigan mm-hmm. and what's over there to hunter's point is a lot of those kind of spindly, dead-looking trees, kind of swampy-type areas, and a lot of new residential construction. So visually, and you're also by the road. Mm-hmm. You're also by the road a lot. The highway. Like the a, highway. a main highway. So like you're going to go there and be like, Ugh. you know, like some there's some of that in there. American Dunes does not have that. Even though it's the old Grand Haven Golf Club, you kind of get there and you feel like you're on your own except for the people who are lucky enough to have a golf uh, house on that golf course. Which was not a ton. It wasn't like an over it wasn't an extreme amount. Like you maybe I don't know 50, 40 houses, like couple whole. Yeah. Nothing yeah. crazy. And American Dunes has a section where it opens up where they cut clear they they cut down a lot of trees and then you're in a similar we thought it was kind of similar to Lawsonia in Wisconsin where we played last spring. You should play American Dunes. Before you play Harbor Shores. But you should wait. Yes. Because it is like playing golf in a parking lot. It's just the golf course is too new. If you want to go see it and experience it and say that you've played there and get a glimpse of the Folds of Honor thing, which is cool. There's a huge American flag in the basically splitting the the 10th and 18th fairways. I mean, there's some cool things. They play the national anthem at 5 o'clock, and you know, we all stood up and took our hats off. You know, there's... Like there's some cool elements of that, but you cannot score there. It is borderline unplayable. Hunter played phenomenal and couldn't get his damn ball in the hole because the greens were so firm and fast because they just like the it's just the golf course is brand new. It's in its infancy stage. But I like the layout more there. Harbor Shores is more championship ready. We got to play it in major championship condition. But you're right, there are a couple greens out there that are literally cartoon greens. That are the kind of thing that make people say Jack Nicholas has a, you know, we heard we've heard a lot of negative things about Harbor Shores, and I can totally understand somebody saying, if you had to play a tournament there, you know, I I totally get it. I, you know, you may be putting up a slope and having it roll back down to you a couple different times, or putting it off the green, or you know, chipping back and forth across the green, just because the slopes in the greens are too severe. See, I, I think if we if we were to go play a tournament tomorrow at the first eighteen at American Dunes and the second eighteen at Harbor Shores, we'd be a lot more pissed off walking off of Harbor Shores, or rather walking off American Dunes just at this stage. Like how how I felt like you could hit a shot if you hit it where you wanted to at Harbor Shores with how with how high we hit it, there was some receptiveness yeah. to the greens. But at American Dunes. But there fast, was yes. Nothing. Yes, was but fast nothing. forward two years, and I think yes. you would totally change that. 100%. You would say American News is much better. If we played this in twenty, and I hope we do, in like in three years, two years, I think American Dunes would be one of my favorite golf courses I've played in a long time. I think it was really, it was a fun golf course, but it was just 
so unplayable. It was unplayable. So it, it just leaves a sour taste in your mouth, which, and I never, I didn't really have any of those experiences at Harbor Shores where like a ball rolls up and back. I feel like if you have a couple of those, then you start going like, okay, I'm getting up, getting upset. But I don't, I don't like hitting a good shot, like knowing it's a good shot in the air and then seeing it like bound forward, even like playing, thinking you've played the rollout, at least at Harbor Shores, assuming you're not in the side of a mountain, then it will, it did seem like it would at least stop. If you hit your points at Harbor Shores, you got rewarded more so than you did at American Dunes now. Well, now we need recommendations on where we're going to go next spring. So if anybody, I know Hunter's talked about going up to the UP. If anybody has recommendations, Midwest, I don't know, do we go to French Lick, Indiana? I know that's closer to me than to you guys, but. Um, I think Indiana has some awesome. Well, we did that trip there last year. Um, not the tough thing with with you guys and with me too is like I if we're gonna go like the Indiana Indiana golf courses we played were good, but they weren't like spectacular. I couldn't remember. I don't think I remember. I remember the name of Noble Hawk because I have a towel from there, but I don't remember the other courses we played. We're like I'll remember. Like we need to go place like memorable places more so than. Well, I think we'll remember Gray Walls. If anybody's played Gray Walls, let us know. I need a need so a, I, I've heard I um, need a review on that. <laughs> a lot of very similar reviews to Harbor Shores. Like it's just it's you have to go play it, but you're gonna get your teeth kicked in. Yeah, there's some cartoon golf out there yeah. too. I mean, literal Gray Walls, like Stone Walls, playing straight up ski slopes. Uh, but overall, I would give uh, I would give American Dunes like a like a eight point one. I'd give Harbor Shores maybe like a seven point eight. Yeah, I would say play both, wait on American Dunes, and just manage your expectations with Harbor Shores in terms of the surrounds. Try to embrace, you know, like try to enjoy the golf course and don't look around too much. I just can't, I cannot believe we have two, I guess we have four. We have four PGA Tour, four tour events in Michigan now, two in the LPGA, one in the senior, and one of those four courses is Harbor Shores. We have good golf in this state. Some very good golf in the state. I just, I just, I'm surprised that that's that's the power of Jack Nicholas, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I mean, like, it's, it's like incredible right. what those but most guys. Most of sh- our most of our great golf is private. Yeah, and it's it's not. It's actually a really good point. It is private, or it's not near an airport, right? Big enough for right, air, right. Enough hotels. So there's a lot that goes into that, and we're going to see that at their RBC Canadian Open. We're playing in the city playing a professional event in the city of Toronto. I mean, it is in the St. George's is in the city center. Like if you, you can take like public transit, you know, to get there. And that's as a result, that's a very small property. They have to use a neighboring golf course to warm up. They have to shuttle over to St. George's. They have to tee off on the back nine on number nine instead of number 10. So there's a little bit of goofiness there, which is why so often you know, you could say that's why there's a senior PGA at Harbor Shores because there's freaking it's a resort. There's lodging. There's you know it can handle spectators. You know it's built for that. Yeah. Where there's much better golf courses, like say a St. George's, that are not not necessarily built for that. But I, I, this this will be a great golf. You will enjoy the RBC Canadian Open. I know the Live Golf will be going on, but you will enjoy the RBC Canadian Open. It's a great golf course. It'll look like Midwestern Michigan golf, like what we're used to. It'll be a short golf course that is not easy and uh, should make for a great tournament. Awesome. And oh, by the way, the Liv's on too. Yep. 
All right. Have a great week. Yep. See you guys.